Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone. This is Deb Crow, and thanks for tuning in to the Change Book Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio platform. It's truly a delight to have everyone joining us. And once again, we are now on book number 15, which does not surprise me, but at the same time, it is a pleasant surprise because I started way back when it was volume five and then returned in volume 12. So just to know that we're on book 15 and that every chapter and every volume that is created for the Change Book series, each book has 20 authors all contributing a heartfelt chapter, whether it be from life experience, a diversified career, the stories are endless. The education and knowledge is just immeasurable. And to have colleagues and friends in 26 plus countries is such an honor and a privilege for me every week. So let me tell you who I'm interviewing tonight. And I had the lovely pleasure of speaking with this wonderful woman yesterday. And hot off the press, book number 14, I am interviewing the marketing savvy guru, Diane Curran. So let me tell you a little bit about her before we have her come on live and I will interview her. Diane is so, so creative. When I spoke to her yesterday, she said she remembers earliest memories as a young woman, really being passionate about words and writing and just the power of marketing as a whole. And she really values communication. Diane is a speaker, an author, and a consultant, and she prides herself on making presentations and marketing creative for audiences. And she does that through messaging, design, and strategic insights. Some people consider speaking in public a fate worse than almost anything. Diane loves to do training. She has done over 4,200 public speaking presentations. And I'm just so delighted to have her on the show. So, Diane, welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. Oh, it is a delight to be here, Deb, and I'm, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and get to know you and get to reach out to all your wonderful listeners and the community of Changebook authors. It feels really an honor to be welcomed in. Well, and we're honored to have you, and I, I love that you and I got to chat this week already and get to know each other a little bit, but I really wanted to tell you that I loved your chapter. I found it super informative and I'm absolutely in love with your website. I love the colors. I love the message. So let's dig in and talk about that a little bit. First of all, what, what drew you to join our global community once you spoke with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz? Maybe just give our listeners a little bit of insight as to why you thought this was a fit for you as a person and the branding for your business. Well, the first thing that really it caught my attention was the whole 
concept of the change. I, I love that word. The notion of change is something that, you know, sometimes we hear, oh, gosh, people resist change. I have it that actually change is exciting, and change brings new opportunity. It brings new learning. It brings new knowledge. So what better word to kind of focus in on the energy of creating communications that Jim and Jim have done and inviting in people who respond to that. And, you know, yeah, we all have our stumbles and falls in life and places where change has kind of come around the corner and give us a big boo rather than a hello. And yet, I oftentimes hear people say, you know what, that was my wake-up call to something new I hadn't even thought about participating in or creating myself. So the whole notion was very, very attractive. (laughs) Well, and I think that you have a unique way of communicating. I like your writing style, and I love how you've presented your services on your website. But I think the first thing that I want to ask you is when we spoke on the phone earlier in the week, you had talked about kind of some of your aspirations as a young woman, and you weren't sure what you really wanted to do career-wise. So just give the listeners a little bit of insight to how you launched into marketing and how it kind of just hung on to you. Well, what's hilarious to me, and I still laugh about it today, is that as a little kid, I was determined never to do or go into or work in marketing or advertising. Now, what kid in the sixth grade says that to themselves? So I probably should have been on to myself. But I had a teacher, and uh, this was in the sixth grade. And before that, I had always responded to anything artistic, drawing or painting or writing or doing reports that required creating diagrams and maps and illustrations and all that fun stuff. And she used to delight us. In fact, my teacher... If you can picture this, she had flaming red hair. She wore it up in a big twist, and that was not something that most elementary school teachers did back in my day. Her name was Miss Russell, and she was a fiery person. In fact, she was known as being a bit of a terror because, you know, at that time when we came into school and we left school, we somehow had to line up to go up to our classrooms or to come out and, and leave the building. And she would be up on the top floor yelling at anybody who got out of line. She was scary as all get out. So when I found out I was going to have her in the sixth grade, m- m- me and all the other folks in my, gr- in my class said, oh, what are we going to do? Are we going to survive? Well, here's what we found out. All we had to do in her class was get her talking about art, and we could spend the whole afternoon drawing, and she would tell us tales of when she worked in advertising. And they were scary, and they were interesting, and they were weird, and they were, you know, kind of uh, intense. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. And, And here's what really made me suspicious of advertising. My little brother had a dream one day, and he was kind of a creative little kid, and he was very young at the time, and he said to my father and me, I had a dream with a commercial in it last night. We're like, what? It turns out it was the holiday time, so he was dreaming about Santa Claus, and he said here he was looking at Santa Claus's workshop, and all of a sudden there was a commercial in the middle of the dream. It was like a television screen came up and said, hey, kids, here's a truck you want to tell your parents to get for you. And then after the ad was over, it went back to Santa's workshop. And I said, oh, my gosh, this stuff can get in even little kids' head. This is scary. So I was determined never to go there, right? <laughs> but guess what? By age 22, I 
had determined that maybe I needed a little bit better job because I was working three different jobs and not making a lot of money. I had a house cleaning business that wasn't really going anywhere fast. So a friend of mine said, oh, you could go and maybe maybe work at a, a publishing house for a while as an art director. And I thought, okay, I, I, I could do that. But it turns out I didn't have a portfolio. I didn't have anything. So I thought, what am I going to do? So uh, I actually had to look up in the yellow pages, employment agencies, and I thought, well, they all want me to go be a secretary. I want to do something in, in art. So I found a little teeny, teeny, weeny classified ad for graphic arts personnel. Long story short, they sent me off to a direct marketing company. They hired me, even though I had no experience whatsoever, but somehow I was bold enough to say, I think I could make a difference here. I'd love to come work here. And somehow they hired me, and 15 and a half years and seven promotions later, I guess I really never got bored. I just loved it. It was full of interesting people. But, Deb, here's what really kept me going. What I noticed was that when we would create marketing campaigns for our clients, I felt like we were giving their audiences something new to choose into and see if it was a fit for them. And I thought, that's the best thing you can do is give people choices. So I'm still in it, low these decades later. Well, and, and with your personality, and, and you and I joked yesterday because we both consider <laughs> us to be gregarious, which is my favoritist word in the whole English <laughs> language. Mike, Mike Greenlee is going to be cursing me right now because favorist isn't a word, and he's, he's a wordy like you. You need to connect with him. But what I love is on your website, which is the marketingdeal.com, you have a quote uh, over some beautiful flowers that I'd like to read for the listeners. And you say, marketing is personal because each human being is unique. Since today's fancy targeting, targeting tools undermine privacy, marketers must work harder to gain permission and earn trust. I want you to tell the listeners, what, what do you really mean by that? And what was your mind space when you were creating the brand to really draw people in on that first page? Because as soon as I clicked on your website and started looking around, I was drawn to that quote. And after you tell us kind of, you know, your mindset, I will tell you what I got from it as a new consumer and colleague looking at that. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you so much. You know, um, I have certainly heard something, and I guess I've heard it a lot in the movies. And if you think about it, gangster movies will, will say things like, you know, it's not personal, it's business. And then actually I've even heard people say that in real life about their their perspective on business. And I kind of grew up in a in a world where there was a certain expectation that you could be hard-nosed in business, but in your private life, you wouldn't want to be that way, but somehow you had permission to be that way in business. And I thought, that is so backwards. That is just really never going to get you into any kind of connection with somebody who could potentially be a customer or an ongoing client or with whom you have a, a, a mutual project and work together. If, if, if being in business means you can be cutthroat and you can undermine people and you don't need to take into account anything that we could call ethics or playing a fair game, well, then I don't want to do it and I'm not going to do it. And fortunately, I've always worked with people who are really up to something bigger than themselves personally. So for me, marketing 
is personal and business is personal. And truth be told, I think it really is for all of us because we don't we don't want to go forward towards someone who makes us feel like we have to protect ourselves or we're not sure we're being treated with respect. So I think that really underneath it, we kind of feel that, but somehow I think it would be great if we could honor that more in that conversation. I am in full agreement. And when I read that quote, and I, but I, I have to put in the disclaimer that I already spoke to you, but I honestly think even if I didn't, I feel like myself that you have a well-honed quality of listening. And I think that is the most key element and service of the element of what you're doing, being a communication consultant, whatever, whatever title we want to give ourselves. I think the more we, we well-hone our listening skills, we are really able to capture that story when we're helping people. And I'm, I'm excited to hear you talk like that and, and just say, you know, through all the years of what you've done and what you've learned, that is probably the best skill that I think you spent time well honing. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you, am I right on that? You have really touched on something that is really deep inside me. And, you know, one of the things when, when I had the opportunity to choose a topic for to participate in this book, I thought, well, what should I talk about? And, you know, the ethers kind of presented a title, How to Stand Out in a Crowd, and I thought, oh, my gosh, let's take a look at that. How, what do we think it means when someone stands out in a crowd? And I, I literally did a survey among people that I don't know. I went online and did a survey to find out what, how people look at leadership and what do they really think that is, and what I discovered was that being a good listener is a really strong element that makes people feel connected to someone and causes them to stand out in a crowd. There are other qualities as well. One of them is personal charisma. And oftentimes charisma, we can talk about that more, but I will say this briefly. Charisma is a quality of, I'm going to say, grace and presence that is actually available before you even open your mouth to say word one. And sometimes the most powerful person in a group of people is the one who's saying the least and listening the most. And by power, I mean the person with the most attentiveness to what's wanted and needed. So, you know, I could, I could actually talk about listening <laughs> for hours, but I love listening. I learn so much that way. And, you know, I had an Irish nana who used to say to me, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. And, I mean, I was young, so she, she turned it into more of a humorous kind of metaphor that I understood later as I grew older. But I, you just led into my next question beautifully. In your chapter, you talk about this survey that you did, which I thought was just brilliant. And the first question is, what gets a person notified, no, noticed most quickly in a group of people? And I was reading it, and I was disappointed, 16%, 16.6% to be exact, being a good listener. And what I wanted to ask you was, I want your opinion on this. Have you ever been at a networking event? Because that's the key to our success for being in marketing, is being an awesome networker. And gregarious people like you and I do it well. 
do you find when you're in a group, I always tend to hone in on the person who's trying to get the attention and really being verbose. And in my own mind, I'm thinking, is it a level of narcissism? Do they need the attention? I, I look beyond their actions, their body language, their words, because I know there's a deeper seated kind of psychological meaning. But then I also scan, you know, the circle of people I'm with to really notice who's talking with their eyes and who's listening intently. Do you find that you do that? And what's, what's your analysis on it? Oh, all the time. You know, you really, it's something I do quite a bit of. I, I've, I've always been a networker and I am very often the quietest person in a small group of people networking. It could be two people. It could be five people to the point where, because I am willing to listen to everyone, I've noticed something that happens. There are folks who literally cannot stop themselves. They literally don't know how. And if you're, if you're present with people's energy, you can sense that in some cases where they may be a little more aware, they wish someone would stop them, but they don't know how to stop themselves. And, and I thought about this, and I thought, okay, so in real life, a lot of times people aren't really listened to from the time we're little kids maybe in some work that we've taken on in a job we have where we're kind of expected to work, 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 but not contribute. And even sometimes in personal relationships or family dynamics, certain people have the experience of not being heard. They literally say things sometimes two and three times, hoping that somebody will acknowledge them. So there's, there's, there's a sense that acknowledgement has been missing. So when when someone like that finds someone who is a willing listener, it feels like they've they've gone into nirvana and they just want to keep talking because they're finally being heard. And so I I've learned to have a I'm going to say a more of a, what could say equanimity about it, more of a, a kind of comfort zone with it. And what I find is that sometimes just by having the intention that they get their being heard and then opening up the notion inside my own mind that they'd like to hear from someone else, whether it's me or somebody else, I can literally shift the sense of energy because we can feel energy as well as speak it or observe it. We, we can feel it. And so it kind of breaks through and it begins to shift the dynamic and sometimes Something as simple as a smile when I've shifted that dynamic will cause a person to stop and say, oh, I, I, I'm going on and on. I, I'd like to hear from you. Or, And then what I may do is I may say, well, there's, it looks like there's three or four of us who'd like to have you know, a chance to connect with each other. Maybe we can quickly go around the group and let's hear from everyone. Let's see if we can work that out. And it puts everybody kind of on the same team again. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean because I, like I said, I've seen the ones, you know, that really need the attention. And once you get to know them, I find they're not as verbose and then you get to really learn what's going on with them. But it's very interesting that as human beings, we quickly judge someone within seconds after meeting them. And that's, that's something that I've really prided myself on to not do that as I've got older and I've found that I've worked on my virtue of patience more and we all have stories 
We all have successes. We all have failures. And I don't think people, you know, I understand the cliche, you get one chance to make a first impression, but I think, I think we just need to back off a little bit as humans and give people a little bit more time to, to settle in because not everyone's on the same comfort zone, if you will. Oh, not at all. In fact, for many folks, if you literally could sort of have a little video camera following them around, oftentimes when some folks come into a room, they literally come into a room looking scared or looking angry or looking exhausted. And that is the first message that the group in the room gets. And it really works against us because you're absolutely tuning into something I've noticed too, which is I, I always say it's actually a split second. I'm literally snapping my fingers where that first impression begins to take hold. And it's before you've even said a word. You're, you, you, you arrive and the impression is already presenting itself. And so for me, when I work with people to kind of get this notion of how do you stand out in a crowd, we want to start way before their entrance into a room and long before word one gets said because that's really where our humanity can find a space to become present. And sometimes it takes, it takes learning to be aware of our own experience rather than, oh, my gosh, there are 40 people in this room and I'm the last one here and what do I do now? I better start talking. That never works as we know. Exactly, and and you have to. There's so many dynamics of communication, right? Especially nonverbal cues, etc. We could have a whole other interview on that, you and I. <laughs> we sure so, could. And, yeah. Go ahead, Diane. Oh, what I was, what I wanted to say was exactly that. There are many nonverbal cues, but you know what? You know what I've noticed, Deb, that I, I find is an interesting reality, which is, and I certainly have been through this myself and had to work on it consciously, which is sometimes people do get noticed because somebody comes up to them and they, they may give them a compliment and say, you look terrific today. And have you ever experienced that the person said, oh, well, I'm surprised because I'm really tired? They deflect the compliment and it's hard for them to receive it and accept it. Have you ever experienced that? Absolutely. And it just, uh, you know, my, my passion in life is work-life balance. So when I hear something like that, it just brings me back to really caring for them and having some empathy that there's not a foundation of self-love or self-care. And people can be wonderful givers, whether it's a compliment or a gift or whatever it may be. But when you flip the switch and they're on the receiving end, it's really difficult for them. Yes. And and what I noticed is that sometimes somebody will, they may know it's difficult for them, but they've kind of learned a little bit about, well, they should accept it. And so the closest they can get to accepting is say, oh, that's very kind of you. <laughs> and sometimes the person who gave the combo will say, no, I'm not being kind. I'm actually telling you something about yourself that I've observed that I'd like you to accept it. So here's here's a little tip and I'm going to suggest people can try out for themselves, see, see how it works. And that is instead of saying, oh, that's very kind of you, which is, which is actually a deflection as well, say, thank you, that's very gracious for you. I really appreciate uh, your willingness to have this conversation with me. Or simply say, that's very gracious of you. It actually doesn't deflect it. It uses a different word, and now your desire to be nice back to that person has a space for them to receive 
your compliment. So it's something you can experiment with, people can experiment with, and see what they discover for themselves. And it'll be interesting to put that out there because it's either going to be one way or the other. There never seems to be anything in the middle, right? So I want to chat to you because I know you've got a trilogy of books that is on the Amazon platform. Can you talk to us about the books that you've created and how that all came to fruition? Well, thank you, Deb. I'd I'd love to share that briefly. It's called The Marketing Deck, D-E-C-K. And what it literally came from was an intuition I had, and I said, all right, so, Diane, you've been in marketing now for four and a half decades, and there's a lot of information stored in your head. How do you get that out to more people beyond the people that I can speak with or work with one-to-one? I said, ah, write a book, but writing another book about marketing, oh, no, another book that people are going to put in the drawer and feel like it's medicine they don't want to take. How do we get around that? And I said, I know. I love decks of cards. I've always found them visually interesting. Sort of, they you can literally play with them. And I thought I know what to do. I'll take all this information and create a deck of cards. And I mentioned to a couple of people this idea, and they, oh, I would, I would want that in a minute. That would be fun. And they literally started smiling. So I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Create a deck of cards. And I thought, well, I'll use the classic deck. And then I will put all these topics on there to give people a chance to tune into marketing ideas by literally shuffling cards. They can play card games or they can do little um, spreads and, and card picks and start that spontaneous idea generation that we know is where the best marketing discoveries and creativity can surface. Because, you know, little kids are never afraid of creativity, and that's because they're used to playing. So I wanted to surface that back in the grown-up world of marketing in a way that whether you know a lot about marketing or a little about marketing, it doesn't really matter which way, surface that ingenuity, that creativity, that spontaneity. So I created the deck of cards. I wrote the book to go with it, and then I did a play-by-play book to actually allow people to capture all that creativity in a way they can use it now or store it for later in an idea bank. And so I find that when I play the various card games, and some of them are very, very simple. It's literally card draws with people. It just immediately gets them talking with each other, coming up with new ideas, and making the experience of thinking about marketing into something that is so much more enlivening that one group I I was with said, we're going to call this a marketing party. Well, I had never heard of such a thing. I thought, well, that certainly is more interesting than a marketing workshop, don't you think? (laughs) Well, and just, you know, the simple playfulness of a deck of cards. Like, what a great idea. And I love what you said, another another self-help book. And what people do is they buy it or they go to a seminar and then they come home and stick it on the shelf. And I call it shelf help because that's exactly what it is So you decide to take it off, read it, and implement it, right? Yeah. And, and, and I've got a wonderful library of books, and we all do. And I love looking at their titles, and sometimes that will inspire me. But with a deck of cards, it, there's something physical about it, too. And uh, these cards actually take the classic suits the spades and the hearts and the diamonds and the clubs, and they assi- and I've assigned them marketing categories, goals and people and goods and uh, profits. 
And I've created a whole series of topics under it that surprise people. They may have thought about certain little things in their industry or their business that they know about, but sometimes it's great to step outside and discover new techniques elsewhere. But you know what I thought about, Deb, and this kind of hones back to what you and I have been speaking about. I felt there were a couple of suits missing, so I added two suits. One is called the source suit, which is all about the principles that you bring to your marketing efforts. And the other one is called the success suit, which are the roles that you can authentically play. And I created those to give people the encouragement to step into their empowerment in their marketing communications. Well, it just sounds like a brilliant strategy. And when did you when did you create the trilogy? It actually just uh, I published it over the course of six months, uh, so it's actually um, just about a year old. So it's brand new out in the world, and uh, so it's just kind of wending its way into the world. Okay, so marketing person to marketing person, when you're doing consulting or coaching. Do you implement the trilogy as part of your modality of training? I have started to do that, and I'll I'll tell you why, because it immediately gets people talking. It's interesting. I literally have them draw one, two, or three cards, depending on who I'm with and what I sense the dynamic is. And I have them look at what they pull and tell me what comes up for them right off the bat. And that gets right into where are they personally in relationship to marketing. So now we can see where we can take them, where we may want to take them in their business, and what obstacles might they be facing that we want to heal and empower so that whatever we create strategically, they're available to implement it. So it becomes practical, but it also becomes a great opening for immediate communication. Oh, I think I think it's brilliant. So do you have book 14 in your hands yet? I don't have it physically in my hands, but I actually have gotten a chance to look at it and start looking at the amazing chapters. I'm very excited about it. Well, I when you get your book 14, you and I will swap. I will send you book five because I, I have okay. prided myself on being the host of this show, and I have the complete set, and I've read the complete set, so... Wow. I, uh, I, w- I would love to swap with you when we change. There's two co-authors you definitely need to connect with. You need to connect with Mike Greenlee out of New York City. He, okay. is, a, he is a writer extraordinaire. He uh, also has branched out and just did a written poem for Deepak Chopra. He got to meet him and read his poem to him. It was a really special night for him. And he wow. also has become a lyricist. And the first song that he got involved in has gone to number one on the dance billboard chart. So I highly recommend you connect. There's definitely synergy there. And and he is a gregarious person. So you will get on well. And Susan Sharp is another lady that you really should reach out and connect with. And again, uh, writing, been in theater production. She is just a wealth uh, of talent. So it's this is the fun part for me to, to sit as the concierge, I call myself, because uh, I get to know everybody and interview them and just learn all the wonderful things that they're doing. So Lovely. A I will things. take you up on that. <laughs> Absolutely. You reach out and say, I did the radio show with Deb, and she said that we need to connect, and off you go. I have to give you uh, credit, by the way, because when I read your chapter, 
being Canadian, we often end our sentences with the word A. And I noticed that one of your sentences ended in A. And I know that you reside. You come from Boston, not Canada, unless I'm mistaken. That's right. I have spent, um, I was very attracted to Canada and spent some time in Montreal when I was there quite a bit of time. And I've been to, I'm going to say, the East Coast, the West Coast, and the middle of Canada. And, uh, and I love the whole sensibility. And I find myself intrigued with the, the, the kind of correlations and distinctions. So I'm an Angelino now. But I was a Bostonian, so uh, I, I love the diversity. Those two worlds are very, very different, and it's and it's lovely to have neighbors to the north with a yet another world for me to learn more about. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And it's always fun to to look at you know, as we say, a I find Americans say, you know, we we have all those little I call them idiosyncrasies. It's just it's it's just a fun conversation piece as always. It's true. So I, I do say that I a want, lot. I do say that a lot. So thank you for noticing. There yeah, you I go. Do say, I do. Yeah, and I do. I, this is not the first time I've ended a sentence with that. <laughs> oh, that's fun. So I just want to wrap up our interview. And I wanted to ask you we're at the tail end of 2017. What goals or aspirations does Diane have for herself? So I am um, actually. In the world of business, my goal is to begin to develop some of the um, private courses using the wonderful new technology of video communication. Uh, Zoom is one of the technologies. Skype is another. And I'm finding that more and more of my clients love the idea of working virtually. But there's a missing video piece in terms of working with people about how to stand out in a crowd. And so I'm, I've developed a new course under my Wow Whisperer page where I'm actually going to be doing some video-type um, consulting with folks to really tune into their presentation that they would be making either uh, as a speaker or as a live networker. And so we can actually see each other and enjoy that experience. I'm very excited about that. I've got some online course development for next year. And what I'm doing right now is kind of moving into the realm of integrating a very important part of my life back into my business, into my business probably for the first time in a more obvious way, which is my lifelong love of art, and moving that into a realm where I think there's a way to kind of put those two loves together. So I'm excited about some new, new things I'm creating for myself. Well, I'm excited for you, and I can completely see you doing that. And I'm happy to see from what you told me uh, when you were a young girl, your love of art is, is still deep-seated inside of you, and you've brought it out in many different streams through communication. So it'll be neat to see what you do. I want to thank you for spending time with me, and I just again want to welcome you to this global community. It's my heart smile that you feel so welcomed, and I truly believe that Jim and Jim have done a great job uh, just aligning the co-authors for each book. And I truly believe that we are shifting a paradigm with our talent and our dreams and our aspirations. And I think we all share the commonality of just really wanting to help people. So I'm honored to have you in this group and just continued success to you, Diane, and look forward to hopefully meeting face-to-face one day. 
Deb, I, I, the feeling is very mutual. I am so honored and excited at what Jim and Jim are doing to bring us all closer, and I look forward to meeting you in, in, in person as well. So thank you, thank you for being yet another amazing person that I get to discover in this wonderful community. Well, the feeling is mutual. Us gregarious girls got to stick together. <laughs> we, we're magnetized to each other. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're right. Like attracts like. So you take care, and thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Deb, and thank you to everyone listening. You are wonderful people, and we are blessed to be uh, among you. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Just another wonderful interview with Diane Curran out of uh, Los Angeles, California. And I just love her vision and her passion for marketing and just how she chooses to communicate. And she's known as the Wow Whisperer. And I love that she's created a book trial trilogy. And instead of using traditional books, she dug deep to think what would be the psychology of maybe doing it with a deck of cards. So I look forward to looking at her trilogy of the three different series that she has on Amazon. So just want to share some exciting information with you tonight. We have created um, a sponsorship program that we're going to be launching for the change book radio show. So keep your eye out for that. And there's going to be a, a website that I'm going to, um, pardon me, not a website, an email that I'm going to be sending out for anyone who may be interested. I'm still in awe over Jim Britt and Jim Lute's vision of this book series. And we are still maintaining the fastest growing personal development book series in the world. And I just feel humbled and privileged to be a part of that, to think that each book has 20 authors and we're now just done book 14. That's 280 people. And within that 280 people, we have a global reach of 26 countries. And just to know that you are surrounded and in the same book series with like-minded individuals from all over the world who may be authors, speakers, coaches, trainers, and we all have one goal, and that is to help people with change, which is another reason I love how simplified the title of our book series is, the Change Book Series. So if that's something that's of interest to you, I will be announcing that email next week on the show, as well as, as, well as the sponsorship program that we have coming up. So I want to thank Diane Curran out of L.A. for joining me tonight. I know it was her almost her dinner time on the Pacific Coast. But again, thanks again for tuning in to the Changebook Radio Show. This is Deb Crow, your work-life fit expert from beautiful London, Ontario, Canada. Have a great week, everybody, and I'll be back here next week. Take care. <laughs>